Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father Almighty God, tonight we come before you and we worship you. We glorify you, O Lord, tonight because there is no one like you. Eternal Rock of Ages, we ask sincerely that as we come into your word, as we come into your presence, O Lord, that you guide us. Not only do you guide us so that we can learn from you, but you guide us so that we are changed by you. Father, we welcome everybody who is watching. We have welcome everybody who is listening on the podcast and everybody who is watching this back. We really appreciate them and we ask you, O oh Lord, to be kind to them in every way. And we ask that tonight, Father, you do miracles. And we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. And so, good evening, everybody. All right. So, um, let's go. So, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, remember what we where we got to last week. Um, I hope you enjoyed the story. If you would like to hear the story again, you can listen to that on the podcast. Where we got to, um, so if you could turn in your Bibles to Mark 4, um, hopefully you've read it a little bit, and then we will go from there. And so I'm going to read from Mark 4, and I'm going to read, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to remember we are at verse 10. Now, we did read the whole chapter last week, and then we, we, um, we got to the point where we got to, um, we told the parable, we told the story, and we got to understand that when Jesus wants to pass something across that is important, especially when he had a mixed audience, he would tell them parables. And that was because the, the audience was mixed. And, and we're going to look at that mix in a moment. Um, and so that's what we did last week. We also realized how powerful a parable is. And I hope you enjoyed the story. We're going to break. The, by the way, the story told you things that you're about to learn. And you didn't realize you were learning. That's what a parable does. A parable passes across information like that. And so we are at verse 10. And for just to bring home, um, bring it into clarity, I'll read from verse 1, but we will start explaining from verse 10, and then we'll go from there. Um, I hope you've got a, a pen and a notebook handy. And so and also... Thank you very much. I can't remember who selected the title last week. It was absolutely fantastic. The power of a parable. So we'll call it the power of a parable. Um, and that's so much fun. So Mark 4, verse 1, and I'm going to read from the King James Version of the Bible. And then from verse 10, we will start breaking it down. So I won't just read. We'll just start breaking it down. And the Bible says the following. And he began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship, sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And so we realized that happened. And he taught them many things by parables. And he said unto them in his doctrine, he said, hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. Verse seven. And the Bible says, and some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. 
um, the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit. Another fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought some 30 and some 60 and some 100. Verse 9, and he said unto them, he that has ears, let him hear. That means if, if, you're, if you're paying attention, he said. And so that's where we got to verse 9. And what we said was, when Jesus got to this point, he said, he that has ears, let him hear. And so remember, the Bible says that there was a massive crowd. They all heard the story and it, they were all openly amazed. Once they heard the story, the Bible keeps going. And then the Bible says the following, verse 10. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the 12 asked of him the parable. And this is where we start. Remember, who was he talking to initially? He was talking to a crowd of people, an absolutely huge crowd of people. But now the Bible says he is first alone. So he's the crowd has gone. And those who were about him were his disciples and those that stayed with them. So the, the people that he chose the disciples from. So people that had come to believe that he was the Messiah and had decided that, you know what, we are going to follow you around or we're going to pay attention to what you say. The Bible says the following verse 10 and so that's verse 10 and they asked him about the parable ladies and gentlemen what you must realize about a parable is this the purpose of a parable is to cause you to ask questions now what you must also realize is when you are presented with a parable the person who tells you the parable actually wants you to ask questions but not everybody was interested. Notice the crowd went away and they thought, amazing story. That man is an amazing preacher. What did you learn today? I was wonderful. What did he say? It was wonderful. What did, I mean, what did, what was that? What was the thrust of his message? It was just wonderful. So some people only got that far. Okay. They only got that far, but the Bible says that those who were around him, they asked him that, you know what? We know you were trying to tell us something. What is it? And let me read to you, ladies and gentlemen, where we find this in the Bible. So this is what we're going to break down. Jeremiah 33. And I'm going to read. Let me go to Jeremiah 33. But I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic Version of the Bible. And so I will put that in the chat so everybody can see where we're going. So Jeremiah 33. All right. So I'm reading from verse 1. And this is what we want to break down. And the Bible says... The Lord is speaking to Jeremiah, and verse 3 is our focus. And the Bible says the following. Actually, I'll read verse 2, so we understand who's speaking. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. And the Bible then says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, fenced in and hidden, which you do not know, do not distinguish and recognize, 
have knowledge of and understand. So ladies and gentlemen, what we begin to realize, and, and I'm going to, let me read that same verse. Um, see, there's the, let me see. So I want, let's see what it says in the Bible in basically just to, to drive it home. Okay, fantastic. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 from the Bible in basic English. Let your cry come to me and I will give you an answer and let you see great things and secret things of which you had no knowledge of. So ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to begin to realize is this. When God, when Jesus presents the parable, for many, it might have been, oh, it was a great story. But really, he just wanted you to be interested enough to come back and ask him, what did you mean? Because he knew what he meant, but it he didn't want to, he, and this is what the beautiful thing, he didn't want to share what it meant with people who wouldn't use the information well or didn't have an interest of really learning. And so this is the power of a parable. It separates those who listen and those who hear. And hearing involves a curiosity and a desire that I want to know more, okay? And so let's put that in context. The Bible says that what Jesus was sparking was a desire so that those who desire to know more will get it. And so the Bible says that he's alone, but those around him asked him. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to keep this in mind. When you come to anything you see in the Bible, and this I'll, I'll use this to explain because one of the things that we really want to do on, on these evenings is to ensure that your Bible study life goes up a level. Anything you see in the Bible, I want you to remember, even if you don't understand it, God is just trying to get you to say, you know what, come and ask me so I can show you. But he wants you to come and ask. And Jesus says two things. One of them is found in John 14, verse 26. And John 14, verse 26, and I'll read that, I'll read that in the um, Amplify Classic version of the Bible. And it's this. The Bible says, but the comforter, speaking of the Holy Spirit, the counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. The Bible says he will teach you all things. So ladies and gentlemen, let's pause for a moment. It's 7.14. Let's say our declarations. And say, so let's, let's say our declarations. That, oh Lord, we are your people. Called by your name. We humble ourselves. We pray. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord. Forgive our sins. And heal our land. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now let's make the declaration. We declare that our land is healed in Jesus' name. Amen. And ladies and gentlemen, everybody says, Amen. 
And so what we begin to realize, that declaration is really powerful. It is changing our world even as we speak. Amen. And so for those of you that don't know, that's taken from Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And so please, if this is your first time of hearing it, plug in 7.14 in the morning, 7.14 in the evening, we make that declaration. Absolutely amazing. And it will work. And it will do exactly what God says it will do. So we realize what is what does a parable do? A parable piques your interest. And those who were interested in finding out asked Jesus the question. And what I want you to realize is when you come in, when you come into a place of Bible study, um, when you come into a place of Bible study, what I want you to realize is this. I want you to realize is God actually wants to teach you, but he wants you to be interested. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33, he says, call unto me and I will show you things that you did not know, but you've got to be interested enough to ask. And so we see that people around Jesus are interested enough to ask. And so hopefully the parable has got you interested enough. So whenever you come in your Bible study and you don't know something, pause for a moment and ask, literally say a prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. And this is the beauty. Now I'll put this, um, this scripture into the chat and then I'll move on from there. John chapter 14, reading from verses 12 to 14 is true. Jesus said, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. Then he says, I will make sure that whatever you ask the Father in my name happens so God is glorified. So the Father is glorified in the Son. Whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it. Not just for some of the obvious things that we need miracles for, and he will grant those, but also for things like, Lord, I don't understand this show me okay all right so let's begin okay so we realize jesus a crowd has disappeared and now we only have maybe 12 plus a few others i don't know how many others the bible does not say so but a group of people and they were interested enough to get jesus on his own and say you know what jesus what were you teaching the people and then he says something let's go to verse 11 and so ladies and gentlemen whenever you're studying your bible once you, once the Holy Ghost piques your interest, when he makes you curious, when he causes you to look twice, follow that desire. That's why you've got to give yourself a little bit of time for Bible study. Give yourself enough time to pause and ask God questions. Pause to do a little bit, to do more than read. Remember what we said about Bible study. Read first, study, meditate, confess do keep that in mind okay all right let's go to verse 11 so verse 11 and the bible says and jesus starts breaking down the parable and this is exactly what we're going to do today now for those of you that didn't realize the story we told last week was the parable of the sower but we updated it into modern day terms almost exactly everything that you needed to know was there so when you listen to the story, realize a lot of what you need to know is in that story. And so we're going to have a bit of fun while we go through it. And so, okay. And he said unto them, this is now Jesus speaking. I'm at verse 11, Mark 4, 11. And he said unto them, unto you, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Pause for a moment. 
The first thing Jesus says is, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So there was something about this group of people that set them apart from everybody else. And Jesus said, the th because of what you've done, something about you, the fact that one, you've come back to ask me, but there's a little bit more. There's something about you, this group of people that says you can get to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So pause for a moment. Jesus says in verse 11, what was the parable about? The parable was about the kingdom of God. This is how the world and the universe function. This is how, this is what he was explaining the kingdom of God, but he couldn't, he had to explain it in a way that they understood. So he used the parable. So ladies and gentlemen, the first thing I want you to realize is what does the parable of the sower explain? It is how the kingdom of God functions. Now, that is so important because the kingdom of God is the foundation of our relationship with God. That's wonderful. And so we begin to realize that what was Jesus explaining? This is how God functions. This is how the world functions. This is what, how God gets things done. And it's so important that, you know what, I'll wrap a story around it. So even when you're not thinking about it or you have a, you have a um, um, what, what would you call it? A block or a perception that is, is not what I want you to have, the story will get past it. And he said, it is given to you to know. There's something about this group that came to us that made them special. And it's very simple. They had come to believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and that he was the son of God. And therefore, whatever he said had the weight of God speaking to them. Ladies and gentlemen, please understand, belief starts there. The first thing, the way, think, how did we become Christians? How did we become believers? The Bible says it in John chapter three, verse 16. The Bible says we believed, accepted as true what God said about Jesus Christ in that this is who he is and this is who, what he has done on our behalf. And we accept that in the process of accepting that we become saved. Okay. And so why I want, let me put, let me show you where that is. Turn with me to please to John chapter three and I'll, yeah. John 3, and I'm going to go to verse 16. It's, it's probably one of the most famous, the most famous verse in the Bible. And I will read it, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, I'll read it in the Amplified Bible, just for, for clarity. And the Bible says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he gave, that he even gave up his only begotten unique son, so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have everlasting life. That's where our relationship with God started. In that we believed that Jesus Christ was our Messiah. And this is what Jesus said. He said, because of this, you are given or you are allowed 
to get to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So this is what the parable of the soul was about. So he begins to explain the parable to the people who came to him at the end. After he had told it, the crowd had gone, but the group around him, his disciples and those who were around him, he said, unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. The word mystery means secret, yes, but also it means to shut the mouth, a secret or mystery through the idea of silence imposed by initiation into religious rites. Mystery, that's what the word, that's the Greek word for mystery. So when Jesus says that this is the mystery of the kingdom of God, he means that only those who come through what will be a rite or initiation can get to know it. What is that rite or initiation? We come to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then the Lord says, I can now explain everything else because this is the beauty. Um, let me put that, let me, the beauty of it. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are translated from death to life. You are now alive. So your spirit man is alive. You are saved. Now God can begin to explain the things that he wants to explain to you because now you have the capacity to understand it. And so where does belief begin? Belief begins with our relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus says. And so two things we've picked up there. Number one is given to you to know the mystery. That's you and I. We get to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. That means how God functions. He's now about to explain. The second thing he says that to you, I will explain it. To them, I'll tell parables. Now that means, ladies and gentlemen, whenever you ask the Holy Ghost for an explanation, you have the confidence. You can have the confidence to realize that God will answer you. Why? Jesus said, to you, it has been given. So when, when you ask the Holy Ghost for guidance, he'll answer. Jesus says so. Okay, so we're going to nip forward. Um, and so he said to everybody out, to everybody that is not in that group, I tell them parables because they actually can't understand what I want to say. So that's what we find in verse 11. The, let's go to verse 12. And Jesus says something in verse 12. Um, I'm, de I'm deliberately moving forward because we've got a lot to cover. Verse 12 says, then he explains something else. And I want you to, I'll, I'll, hopefully this will make a little bit clearer. Jesus says this. He said, verse 12, that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Pause. What does Jesus explain? He explains, this is what happens, ladies and gentlemen, when you meditate on the word of God. When you read, study, and meditate, Jesus says the following. He says that seeing they may see and not perceive, that means there is a process of seeing that is important. There's a process of hearing that is important, that combined leads to an understanding. It is when you now come to understand 
the Bible, that conversion, that means you are changed from one thing to another. Jesus says, it's not given to them, but it is given to you. Okay. Then he says, now I'm going to, I'm going to go to Matthew's description of the same story. So ladies and gentlemen, let me just send a message to everybody. Come with me to Matthew 13. And I'm going to go to Matthew 13 because the same story is told by Matthew. But he adds some things that are, that are, really, that are really helpful. Same story. Um, verses 15, Matthew says the same thing. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Let me pause for a moment. That process happens to us every day. What you see, what you hear, will lead to what you understand, and it will govern your actions. And the Bible then you will make that decision. All advertising is based on that process. That's the process. If I can get you to see what I want you to see and hear what I want you to hear, I can govern your actions even if I'm not present. So I'll give you a, an example. Um, growing up as a child, and then I'll, I'll come to what Matthew says in verse 16. So I'm, we are looking at Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 15. So let me give you an example. Um, I, I, I'm relatively older than some of you, not all of you, some of you. And I used to watch television in black and white. And so from, from the time I was a child, I, I have a habit and that is watching adverts. I've always watched adverts. I can watch anything. I can watch paint dry and you will get my attention. I, it, anything can be on television. The curling championships, ice fishing from Alaska. I, I can watch anything. So I've always been like that. Um, in the middle of the programs we used to watch as a child, there was one particular advert. And, it, and for those, some of you may remember, it was, this was in black and white, ladies and gentlemen, a baby in a nappy would appear and jump onto a pile of terrily nappies, the ones that there were cloth. That shows you how old this advert is. And it also shows you how old I am, but that's okay. Then the baby will jump onto the nappy and it will say, and the baby will bounce, the cartoon baby will bounce and it will say, oh, fairy. And it will say, fairy flakes. Now, these are, these are flakes. That shows you how old this is. These were soap flakes. And it will say, only fairy does this to nappies, washing nappies. I watched that when I was three, four, five on Southern TV, which has closed down since. So, so you have to understand, this is how old this process is. We have our first daughter. I am 31. So this is 28, let's say 28 years later. My wife gives me a job. We now have our daughter and she says, right, Bajo, first task, um, I want you to go to the, the shop and I want you to buy some nappy, some, I want to wash the baby's clothes and I need some soap powder. Off you go. I go to the shop 28 years later. I go to the shop. I get to the aisle of soap. There is cheap soap, there is, you know, more expensive soap, there is branded soap, and there is this fairy soap flakes. The most expensive product 
in the shop without thinking twice. I pick up the fairy flakes. I did not think twice. Took them back to the lady and my eyes were like saucers when she rang it up and I was like, ah, for soap? But hey, I paid for it. Took it back to my wife thinking that I've done a great job and the look of horror on her face that how much did you pay for this? But you know what? That's how it works. I have since, seriously, I have since learned that, you know what, you can wash baby's clothes in almost anything and they will be absolutely fine. Different story, different sermon. And, but that day, what happened? The programming that an advert implanted when I was three years old kicked in when I was 28. Why am I telling you this, ladies and gentlemen? When you read the word of God, Jesus says, this is the process you've got to guard. What do you see with your eyes? That This is what meditation does. What The verse for meditation, and I'm going to send this to everybody. Yeah, the verse for meditation I want you to keep in mind is this verse. Joshua 1.8. Say it to yourself ad infinitum. Because when you're reading the Bible, let the Bible create pictures. And let the words of the Bible speak to you when you are reading and when you are thinking about it. It will shape in you a picture and it will govern your actions that when a crisis comes, you will respond the way God says you should respond and that will change your life. Jesus says, for those people that don't believe who I am, those people who don't understand who I am, then this is what happens to them. Although I tell them the story, their eyes don't see, their ears don't hear, therefore their heart does not understand and they remain the same. So Jesus is saying that this parable is about how life changes and so much more. This is how the kingdom of God functions. And so this is the process. So that's the process in Matthew 13, 15. But let's look at verse 16. Jesus then says, but that means what I said about them is not true about you. And the Bible says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. When you come to God in Christ, two things happen. The Bible says your eyes are opened and your ears are opened because the truth kicks in. And that means when you read the Bible, the process to change your life kicks in. You see what God wants you to see. And you hear what God wants you to hear. The resultant effect is called faith, which causes you to change your life. So Jesus is, um, and so Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is, explains them, this is how this process works. And he says, your eyes see and your eyes hear for a very simple reason. They believe that Jesus was who he says he was. 
and that gave them access to all that Jesus had for, for them. The same way, ladies and gentlemen, you who've come to Christ, who've come to believe that Jesus Christ is the, your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you are saved. That means you have access to all that Jesus has won for you. That's how powerful this was. But let's go back to our story. So I'm going to go back to Mark 4. Um, if you have any questions, please put them in the chat and we will take as many as we can at the end. Um, Mark chapter 4, and I'm now at verse 13. Mark 4 verse 13. Mark 4 verse 13. Jesus makes a statement that we have to take notice of, and then we'll work through it. This is the fun of about Bible study. It allows us to wander a bit. Mark 4, verse 13. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? Pause for a moment. So Jesus said, In this parable, is the key to understanding every other parable. And notice what he said earlier. He said to his people, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Meaning, if you can understand this parable, everything that God wants you to know, everything that God wants to get across to you, the key is found in this parable. And this is the power of a parable. He's actually passing across critical information. And this is what I want you to realize. That means whatever the parable of the sower teaches us are the keys for us to understand everything else that God wants to teach us. Jesus said to us, if you can get this one, everything else is clear. And what does he teach in the parables? He explains the kingdom of God. Now, when he sa I say the kingdom of God, that means he explains this is how God functions. This is what God does. This is how much you can trust God. This is how you can rely on the word of God. This is how you can rely on what God has done for you. This is how much you can trust God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, so I want you to keep that in mind massive key. So I'm going to ask you a question. For those of you that weren't here last week, I want to ask you a question. Who do you think, if you can remember, remember there was an old man, the old man that, that gave the lady the interview. Who did he represent? Put your answers in the chat. For those of you that can't remember, remember there were four people on the station and the old man. So there were four passengers. Who did the old man represent jesus god absolutely your answers are fantastic fantastic for those of you that are listening by phone i can hear you screaming wherever you're shouting from i agree you're right the old man represented god now this is the beautiful thing that means while the people were on the train remember the story god was right beside them but they didn't know he was there Ladies and gentlemen, as you come to look at this parable, I want you to realize that God is right where you are. Jesus says, if you understand this parable, you will always know that God is with you. 
because he's present. The old man was on the train with them. He looked like a passenger. Yet he was the person that who was running the whole thing. Yet he was right with them. So your answers are right. God and Jesus. He was right beside them. So let me say this before I go on to the explanation because we've got some, now it gets a little bit like bullet points. I want to say to someone who's on this call, God's right where you are. You may not know that he's there, but he's on this journey with you. He hasn't sent you on a journey without him. Preacher's material, but I just, I just want to reassure someone that God's with you. Okay, so Jesus said, this is how you understand all parables. So let's break it down. Verse 14, like I said, it's going to go a bit faster now. The first thing we see, verse 14, Jesus says the following, and he begins to break it down. He said, the sower soweth the word. Pause for a moment. That means when the kingdom of God functions, that means when God wants to get something from him into his creation, the Bible says Jesus refers to him as a sower. That means when God wants to give you a miracle, when God wants to change your life, when God wants to give you a breakthrough, his when God wants to shape your character, his primary method to do so is with his word. That it is all over the Bible. And Jesus said, remember this fact, that the sower sows the word. That means the process of deliverance that God wants to start in your life will start with his word. This is key. And this, I hopefully, this changes your Bible study forever. You are not just reading a story. You are reading the mind and intention of the God you serve. This is who he is. The Bible says when God wants to make something happen, he always sends his word. Now, let me, let me break that down for you. I'm going to read to you I think my favorite verse, well, I, I've got lots. So I, I'm allowed to have like 200. So John chapter one, reading from verses one, I'll stop at verse three and I'll read it in the Amplified Bible. The Bible says the following, that's John one, one to three. John one, one to three. Remember this fact. Jesus said the sower sows the word. That means if God wants to begin something, the kingdom of God begins when God sends his word to get something done. So let's put this in context. I'm going to read to you from John chapter one, reading from verses one to three. And the Bible says the following. In the beginning, before all time was the word, Christ. And the word was with God and the word was God himself. So your answers that you said, Jesus, God, Christ on the train are all correct. Every single one is correct. The Bible says he was present originally with God. This is talking about the word. And notice the Bible does not call the word it. The Bible calls the word he. When you are reading the Bible, you are not reading a thing, you are reading a person, and that person is God Almighty. 
You're not reading a story. You are reading a person. You're reading the mind, the thoughts, the intentions, the power and the ability of a person. And that person is God. So, but let's have a look at verse three. And this is where we're going. The Bible says, all things were made and came into existence through him. And without him was not even one thing made that has come into being. Pause. You sometimes, when you're reading the Bible, and hopefully this will help your Bible study, you have to put scripture against scripture to get a complete picture. Jesus said, the Bible says in John 1, that when God wants to make something, he invariably sends his word. The Bible says nothing was made that was made without God's word. And the Bible says this in the book of Malachi. Uh, let me go to the book of Malachi, last book of the Bible. And the Bible says, Malachi 3 verse 6. Many times we use this. It, this, this scripture is used in a pretty harsh manner, but it's actually true. Malachi 3, I'll put it in the chat. Verse 6. Let's understand something. The Bible says, for I, I am the Lord. Not me, Badger. The, the Bible says so. For I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed, meaning God does not change how he does things. Take a look at the Bible from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelations. When God wants to get something done, he invariably sends his word. So let me pause for a moment. And please, I want you to understand this. So all of a sudden, the guidance of the Holy Spirit takes on a whole new picture. That means when the Holy Spirit says, don't go left, go right, it means God wants to bless you, not take something from you. When the Bible says, do this and don't do that, God wants to bless you. It means when God speaks to you, when the word of God comes to you, it means he wants to create something in your life for your benefit, because that's how God transfers something from him to his creation. So let's pause for a moment. Jesus said, the sower sows the word. So for the farmer to get his crop into his field, he sows seeds and he has no doubt. And let me give you an example. If you buy seeds or let's say you, in the old days, you would, when you had a harvest, you would eat some and you would save some for sowing. You find this in the book of Isaiah chapter 55. And the Bible says, let me just read it to you. Isaiah 55 verse 10. So you so you get where I'm talking about. Isaiah 55 verse 10. And I'll be patient. The Bible says, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give 
two processes. Seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So this is how you used to get seeds in the old days. That means if I wanted a field of wheat, I would save half of my harvest of wheat the year before and sow it the next year. I wouldn't go to a supermarket. I would trade if I had to, or maybe I was starting out, then I would buy seeds from a farmer, but I would say, what are you selling me? You're selling me wheat. Now, pause for a moment. That means when the sower lets the seed go out of his hands, there is no doubt at all as to what he expects to see in his field. It's not Russian roulette. So when the word of God promises you something, if the word of God says that God is your healer, there is no alternative option than that he is your healer. You have no reason to doubt. Why? Because seeds don't change on the journey from the hand of the sower into the ground. That's what the Jesus was saying, that when God gives you his word, please hear me you can trust him no matter what let me think about it i it let me I, i'll use my example let's say i wanted i wanted a, a, a garden full of roses i'll go to the shop i'll go to, to where they're selling seeds and i'll say you know what i want roses the man that sells them to me on the front of the packet will be roses on the front of the packet is not seeds the on the front of the packet is the harvest i take the seeds i go to my ground and i then i when i throw them i throw them or plant them with confidence i go to sleep if somebody asks me when my garden is still brown no grass no plants what do, are you going to have in your garden roses what's your favorite flower roses what are you waiting for roses why because you have to understand something. The seeds give me confidence that what will come out of my garden is what I put in. Now, that means if the word of God comes to you and the word of God promises you something, Jesus is saying you can trust the sower. Why? The sower is taking something from his harvest and he's transferring it to you and his expectation is undeniable. That is what he's trying to say, that when God wants to give you something, he will do it through his word. So imagine, let me, let me now let me, I'm gonna tie this up as we move on. Notice, Jesus said the sower sows the word. In the story, <laughs> in the story, notice, all of the people on the platform had an email from the old man. They just didn't know it was from him. That means they could have trusted the fact that the person that sent it did not do us evil. Three of them threw the email away. This is why I told you, I was telling you everything last week. This is what Jesus was doing. He said, listen, the seed, it was the principle of the seed that they could understand that a seed does not change from the hand of the sower before it gets into the ground. To close this out and, I'll, and then we'll move on. 
And ladies and gentlemen, I'm deliberately not rushing. I'm deliberately not rushing. The deal is this. Jesus wanted us to understand. To use my example, if I plant rose seeds and I end up with a garden of oranges, I am going back to the shop and I have a right I have a right to sue them for everything. Why? Because they have presented something false. They gave me a packet of seeds with a picture of roses. They sold me roses. The instructions were for roses. And at the end of the day, I end up with oranges. I can chase them for everything. God is not to be doubted. He can be trusted. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what was Jesus trying to do? He was trying to get you to understand that when God wants to transfer something to you, he will invariably send his word. He did that. Okay, he invariably will send his word. Okay, so please, I hope your Bible study just went to another level. That's the first thing he said. Then he begins to explain what happens to the seed. <laughs> so let's go back to Mark 4. So Jesus said, the sower sows the word. Uh, Mark 4, and we are, yes, at verse 14. The sower sows the word. Okay, great question. I will come to that in a moment. Great question. Thank you. I've got, I'm getting some really good questions tonight. Um, and I'm going to pause. So let me reiterate what we've gone over today. Number one, Jesus says, I'm explaining the, the kingdom of God. This is how the kingdom of God functions. And once you understand how something functions, you can interact with it intelligently. The second thing he says, it's already given to you to understand how the kingdom of God functions because you believe in him. And Jesus said, you are different to them because you believe in who I am. Remember this small group came to find him and they were, curious so ladies and gentlemen your curiosity your desire to know god loves it god can handle your questions the final thing we looked at was that the process that we looked at that will work is that the word of god will cause you to see and cause you to hear things in such a way that your heart will come to understand that this is what god wants to do and then there will be a change or a conversion the outcome, ladies and gentlemen, will be miraculous. The last thing we looked at, and this was the last thing we looked at, I, I wasn't really putting them in points, is that the sower sows the word, okay? The sower sows the word. Now, okay, I've got a few questions and I'm gonna go through them because they are, they're, they're a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to go through them because they're great. If I can't get through them today, and I won't, I probably won't, but I'm keeping them so that we can probably do a day where we'll just nail all of them. Um, we'll go through it. So let's keep that in mind. So we are at the sower sows the word. And now a couple of things that you've already asked. Some of you have read the story, obviously, and you're asking a couple of questions. The question is this. Um, one of the questions that I've got is... Um, let me, I'll, I'll grab that, okay? It says, 
How do we water and nurture the seed God gives us? Is this our responsibility? Very interesting question. How do we water the word or the seed that God has given us? Let me answer that. Um, that's a great question. The Bible refers, Jesus says in two places, he refers to the word of God that he speaks as water. In John 4, speaking to the Samaritan woman, Jesus says, um, she, he says, give me a, um, give me a drink. Um, I'll read from John 4 verse 10, just to, to give you a John 4, 10, and I'll stop at verse 12. Um, actually, I'll stop at verse 14. So John 4, sorry, you, you can ignore that. Let me get it right. John 4, 12 to 14. There we go. All right. Jesus is speaking. Jesus answered. So Jesus had asked her for a drink and she says that, um, she, he said, give me something to drink. And she says that I'm a Samaritan. Jews have no dealings with us. And then verse 10 begins. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked him, asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So Jesus says, I will give you living water. The woman said unto him, sir, you, you have, uh, let me read this from the Bible in basic English for clarity. And um, just for, because I'm reading quite fast. The woman said to him, sir, you have no vessel and the fountain is deep. From where will you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the fountain and took the water of it himself with his children and his cattle? And Jesus says, said to her, verse 13, everyone who takes this water will be in need of it again. But whoever takes the water I give him will never be in need of drink again. For the water I give him will become in him a fountain of eternal life. Put that, so that means Jesus says, when I give you water. So what does Jesus give? What? How does Jesus give water? He transfers his word to the lady. He says to the lady. And so this is what Jesus said about his word. John 6 verse 63. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are what? Spirit and they are life. So when Jesus refers to water, how do you water the word of God? You read and study the word of God. You spend time in prayer. You, you do the following. You read, you study, you meditate, you confess and then you do the word of God. This is how you water the promise. You read stories. 
you read what God has says, you go over, you discover what God has said. This waters the promise that you are holding on to. So what does Jesus say? He says, the more of my word that comes into you, it will become in you like a spring of water springing up unto eternal life. That means anything in your heart will be watered because God's word will go in and come out of your heart. That's one. Two, how do you water the word of God? I'll, because of time, we are out of time. So I'm just going to put two scriptures. Um. <laughs> two scriptures. Uh, how does God, in, let me close this out. Ephesians chapter five. The Bible speaks of the word and the Bible says, Yes, Ephesians 5 verse 26 says it clearly. Ephesians 5 verse 26, and we are, ladies and gentlemen, we're out of time. Ephesians 5 verse 26, the Bible says, so the speaking of the husband, I'll read from 25 to give it context. And the Bible says, husbands have love for your wives, even as Christ had love for the church and gave himself for it, so that he might make it holy, having made it clean, with the washing of water by the word. Meaning, what do you do with a promise when you're holding on to a word that God has given you? You load in the word of God, which will water the seed of the promise you are holding, causing it to grow into what it is meant to be. Because ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, let's clarify. What will the word of God do? The word of God, when it goes in, remember Matthew 22, 37 to 40, the word of God, the word of God will change your heart, your soul, and your mind. That's the real you. And so they, that's how you water a promise. Okay, great question. Absolutely great question. I have other questions. Um, the one about the, did the seeds fall on rocky ground? Um, the seeds that fell on the rocky ground fell before the sower got to the soil or why walking towards the soil? Great question. We will answer that next week. Um, I also have a question on Lent. Um, I have a question on Lent. I will answer that. I will find a time to answer that. If I don't, whoever sent it in, I will make sure that answer gets to you. And so I'll make sure that's clear to you. So we'll, we'll have a conversation and we'll get that in. So ladies and gentlemen, let me say a prayer as we close. We are three minutes over and I sincerely apologize. And Father Almighty God, I pray in the name of Jesus that tonight, that, oh Lord, let your word do all that you intend it to do in the hearts, lives, and minds of your people. I pray, O oh Lord, that the harvest you intend for the word to bring to pass in the life of your children, let it happen. That means, Father, let healings happen. Let miracles happen. Let breakthroughs happen. Let character change happen. Let hope be restored. 
Father Almighty God, we just thank you for today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for all that you've done. In Jesus' most holy name, we have prayed. Ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful evening. See you next week. God bless you. 